Hey, what's up? So I just recorded a podcast. I did a, it was a group or a Zoom phone call with my company, Pure Energy. So I decided to turn that into a podcast about my race. Um, I started the audio a little bit late. So the intro to this podcast, I'll just go over that real quick. But just to kind of get you guys like hooked on what I'm going to talk about. But so basically, it's 5 a.m., 24 hours after starting my run. My legs are burning. I'm sleep-deprived. I can't stomach anything but fruit and gel packs. My shin feels like it's going to rip off of my bone. My blisters are taking over my entire feet. I'm completely soaked from all the rain and sweat. I'm laying at the back of a random Jeep truck in a city I have never been to, and I'm wondering how I ended up here in Miami running 100 miles. Experience true vulnerability, how to overcome trials. You will laugh, cry, and experience everything in between. Welcome to the King of Corona Podcast. Brought to you by Tyler Griffith. Oh, yeah. Why would you run 100 miles? Like, what inside of you? Besides being, like, a psycho. um, Basically, I had to dig deep and find my why. But three years ago... I was listening to Joe Rogan. So you guys probably listen to his podcast. A lot of you probably do. But Joe Rogan had David Goggins on his podcast. Um, and so he basically talks about this race that he did, a 100-mile race, and he goes through all this pain and pushes his way like all the way to the end. He's like basically peeing blood. His legs are falling apart. He can't think. He's shitting his pants. <laughs> Most people are thinking, like, why would you put yourself in a situation? The whole time I'm reading the book, listening to the podcast, I'm thinking, like, this, I need to know what this feels like. I need to know what this pain, I need to know, like, what this lesson is that he's learning from all this pain that he's putting himself through. So when I listened to it, I wasn't even close to in a spot to be able to run 100 miles. But I'm very curious by nature, and so I had to figure it out. And I didn't want to just hear about the pain. I wanted to basically like fill it and see what you can learn from that. So I was training for a half marathon before I even knew what an ultra marathon was. I don't know. Most of you probably know what an ultra marathon is. It's just something above the 26 miles. So they have 50 milers. They have like 33 milers. They have 100 milers. They have 200. They have just crazy, crazy races. But I had recently, so I left my religion. I practiced it my whole life. And so I was feeling pretty lost spiritually and so when I started to read these ultra books um, it kind of spoke to me because they were having these spiritual experiences where it was almost like your body soul would have the separation and you kind of you just learned so much about yourself and so that was a huge motivating factor for me to start doing these runs was just to have this spiritual experience Um, but I was still just kind of doing things not knowing direction and I would just run I'd feel the pain, and then I'd repeat it, and so I was just basically faking it till I, till I made it. But I did complete the half marathon. The half marathon was probably the most painful thing I ever did. I didn't train very good for it, so my body was depleted and falling apart. But right after I completed it, my son, he got diagnosed with cancer. So that's why I picked a kid to raise money for at the children's hospital, because my son actually went through the whole process, the, the getting poked and the chemotherapy and the blood transfusions and the weekly appointments and like, it's hard to talk about because I mean, unless you've gone through something like that to see your kid in this much pain, 
Um, that's part of the reason, that's a big part of my why. It was a way for me to inflict pain on myself and to kind of go through this process with my son where I was feeling pain at the same time he was feeling pain. And so I do think a lot of people that do these ultras, it's a lot of built up emotions, a lot of stuff from your past you haven't worked through and the running just kind of helps you work through it. Um, but as I was running, my thoughts seemed to be clearer. The more I ran um, and I felt more in tune with like a Tyler, I felt like I had lost over the years. So I figured if I could get comfortable living inside of pain, life would seem easier all around. So if you haven't read uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, I would recommend it. But if you don't like swearing, I definitely would not recommend it. The guy says more F words than anybody ever to live. Um, but he talks about getting comfortable with your pain, um, embracing your pain, because pain is something that's going to come. And for me, it was kind of a camaraderie type thing. So my son, he didn't have any choice. He had to go through this pain. And it was kind of a way for me to relate as I'm sitting there in the office with him, with the doctors, and I just have some sort of like leg pain. For whatever reason, that helped me. But you also learn that pain is temporary. Um, and it is there to teach you about yourself or about your life, and you can embrace it. And you can almost, once you embrace it and realize it's going to be there, you can kind of start to like laugh about it. Like me and my son would be in these appointments. And I mean, honestly, we would, a lot of it was bad, but a lot of it was like fun. I got to have this bonding time with him. We laughed a lot. And just being distracted from that pain was actually pretty enjoyable. Um, but you know the pain is going to return. This is probably the biggest lesson I learned from this race. You know the pain is going to return, but when you are given even a brief moment of freedom from your pain, it is the definition of living in the moment. So I was talking, so I had a crew. So Paul, he's a guy that sells with me, one of my friends. He came out to Miami with me. So this is in yeah, Miami, Florida. And then this uh, girl, Kelsey, I've been talking to came out. And then my brother, Eric, came out. And so it's kind of funny because every like five or maybe like between five and 10 miles, they would have a car, they'd pull ahead of me. So I'd be running and then they would give me like these cloths to cool me down because it was probably 90 degrees with like 80% humidity. So you can imagine how much I was sweating. So they would pull up and my buddy Paul, he would always like go buy like chicken wings or empanadas or burritos. And <laughs> I'd be in so much pain, like about to throw up from the heat exhaustion. And he'd pull out a chicken wing and be like, hey, you want some chicken wings? I was like, not even in the ballpark. Like, that's not even close. There's no way I can stomach that. So it's really just gel packs, fruit. Occasionally, like, I'd have, like, a hamburger burrito or something. But just a little bit of laughter, it helped you escape from the pain for a minute, which helped you go. And basically, when I would pull away from my crew, they would be... Oh, hang on. Oh, also, like, around mile 70, Kelsey, I forgot that I had an extra pair of shoes. So I was running for 70 miles with one pair of shoes. I changed my socks a couple times. But my feet, if you could see that picture. So it was raining on and off. Um, but then it was, like I said, like 90 degrees with 80% humidity. So your feet, they turn into prunes. So like the whole bottom of my feet were like wrinkled up. And so it forces like the blisters all to the palm of your foot. And so typically you would have... So typically you would have 
like blisters just spread out and so you can kind of manage those you put the moleskin and you wrap it but i just have like these golf ball sized blisters on the palm of my feet and you couldn't really like escape it and so i got these new shoes the new shoes were this like escape so for about two to three miles it felt like a brand new race um, and like i was saying my biggest takeaway is you get to live in the moment like when i got those new shoes it was time to enjoy the race you know the pain's coming again but you got to enjoy that for a little bit um, and then i was just thinking about too like leading so leading up to the race like what's the biggest thing with these races with life with sales with everything that like kills your goals kills your dreams and it's fear uh, leading up to the race, I couldn't sleep at night. So I had, just like everybody else, I had a lot of fears. Um, this race, we didn't know the directions. And so they didn't give us our first 20 miles until we showed up at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> Actually, they gave it to us like 4.50 in the morning. The race started at 5. And that was the first time you saw where you were going. And they only gave you 20 miles. And then you check in at the next checkpoint. And then you have to go 20 more miles and so on. So I was like, I was... Never been to Miami, had no idea what to expect, so I had the fear of getting lost. Um, I basically was waking up like in panics for two weeks, just wondering like what this pain is gonna feel like. Can I get through 100 miles? What does 90 degrees with 90% humidity feel like? How do you cool yourself off 50 miles in? Um, and then the night before the race, so you're trying to keep calm, do your breathing. I swear they had like a tap dance party going on above us. And so you had like these party Miami girls up there with their high heels, like dancing all night. And so we slept, I slept two hours. So I got two hours of sleep. So I show up to this race already worn out. But this is another big lesson that I learned that that's same as sales, knocking doors, everything is showing up. Um, so for me, picking the kid that had leukemia, that was basically like my accountability put it on Facebook, put it on social media. This is like, my goal is to run 100 miles. I wanna raise money. And that was like my way to make sure I showed up because like I said, I had all those fears. I wanted to back out probably a million times. I got sick about a week before the race. There's a lot of like, you could come up with a million excuses like why to back out of something this crazy. Um, but like I said, this is one of the biggest lessons I learned is like show up. If I show up, um, and I don't give in to the excuses. I usually perform well. I can usually finish things. Or at least, um, at least I'll get to learn the lessons that I'm hoping to learn from the experience. And that's a big part of it too, is you have to accept the fact that like you might fail. Like there was 30, there's only 33 stupid people that signed up for this race. Um, and then only nine people finished. So I did a 50 mile race back in, uh, last year in August, and it was through the mountains, so it had 11,000 feet of vertical gain. There's 100 people that started that race, and only 38 people finished. So there's a really high like failure rate with these races. So you go in, and you're hoping you're the exception, but deep down, you don't know. And so all you have to do is just show up. You show up, and like I said, you either perform, you make it, or you fail, and you learn your lessons and you come back to the drawing board and you make a new game plan to try to succeed. Um, but I felt great, like, so I don't wanna like bore you guys with all the details of the race, but like from mile one to 60, 70, I felt really good. I had like, there was like one moment of concern around like maybe mile 20. Um, it was right in the middle of the day. And so I was getting to my first checkpoint and it was 
like there was no shade. I ran out of water. And so I was getting like super, super dizzy. And I felt like I might pass out. So I jumped in the car, got the AC, put the cooling rags on, ate some of my food. And then from that point, 20 to about 60, 70, I felt great. Um, I was also, you run with other runners. So when you pass them, you kind of stop and you talk to each other for a minute. So you kind of get their like insights about ultras, how many ultras they've done. So I was talking to this guy, Chris, and he was telling me that he's done, like he did a 300 and something mile race. Um, he did like, he's done like 50 ultras. And he was just saying the race doesn't start until mile 80. <laughs> so this is about mile 15. So I'm thinking to myself, I have 65 miles to the starting line. Like this is, this is awesome. I, like what have I done? How is this gonna like end? This could like end seriously, like really, really badly. But you just stay in the moment. You just stay focused and that's, that's one thing too. I'm gonna kind of skip over some of this stuff. But one of the things that you do is you start with the big goal. So you set 100 miles as your goal. You start to run it. I feel like for a while you can just run. You don't really have to like... Yeah? I can't hear you. Can anybody understand this guy? He's... He's saying what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Got him. Admit all. Got it. No, I just admitted him. I think we're good. All right, anyway, Blake, you sound like you're underwater, by the way. You got horrible connection. Um, also, if you have questions, you want to ask me, like, about anything you're wondering, just do it over in the chat section, and then I can answer it. Like, I know probably people are trying to figure out, like, when you're running 100 miles, where do you shit, and, like, all that type of stuff. So if you want to know anything, like, out there, just uh, make sure and just hit up that chat section on the side, and I'll see if I can answer those for you. But... Um, so also in this race, since I didn't have directions, there was a point where I took the wrong turn. And so they had like 11th street, but it was like Southwest, Southeast, South, like they had like 15th, 11th streets. And so all you had was basically like, you're looking at your little stupid card and it's like turn on 11th and it doesn't tell you the mile mark. It doesn't tell you like if it's five miles, 10 miles, so you're just looking for 11th then you turn. So I went three miles out of my way. So in a hundred mile race, when it happened, it didn't feel like a lot. Like, it was like, oh, well, I took a wrong turn. Like, three, 103 miles versus... 103 miles versus, like, 100 miles. What's that going to be? So you just accept it. But I did think for a minute there I was going to get disqualified for taking a wrong turn and not running the race exactly like I was supposed to. I got back on course. But it's another great lesson I learned. Is like, let's just say I got disqualified. At first, I was kind of upset and I wanted to get the medal and I wanted to get the recognition, but I was like, what's your, what's your why? Why are you here? 
Are you here because you want a medal? Are you here because you want this buckle? Because you want to show off and be like, oh, I could do 100 miles, look how cool I am. Or is it because you want to like raise money and you want to learn lessons? So if you don't get the medal, are you going to get everything you want out of this race? And I came to terms with the fact that yes, I was going to. And so that's one thing about life too is like, you don't, really, you don't always need the awards. You don't always need like the recognition. It's like the stuff that you learn within that's like the biggest motivator for me. Um, and so that was cool to learn about myself that I didn't get caught up on the medal or this or that. So um, then I had like these living in the moment moments where you basically have a chance. So in life, like I know everybody on this phone call has gone through something like you've lost a parent. You've lost a brother, a sister, like you've gotten a sickness, somebody's gotten cancer. But you always have this chance to like, the dust settles, like I said, the pain returns, but sometimes it settles. And the hardest part, I feel like for me and for most people in life, is just embracing the moment, living in the right now. And on this race, like I said, that shoe change, I can't even tell you like how much I enjoyed mile 70 like 70 to 75 was just like heaven because I seriously could not, I couldn't take like any more steps. Um, I'll try to hurry up because I think this thing's about to end. Um, also, Paul, Eric, Kelsey, they went and bought me a McDonald's hamburger and a Coke. Never in my life has that ever tasted so good. I was probably about mile 80. Just sat there and enjoyed that. And like, if you, uh, and I'm just trying to let people in here. But basically, you just want to let people, I mean, you just want to enjoy, like, enjoy your moment. Like, if you're at the gym working out, like, enjoy it. Get your pump on. Get your, like, enjoy that. If you're, like, at the store buying clothes, like, enjoy it. Enjoy, like, time with your kids. Just, like, live in your moment. Enjoy your sales. Get to know your families. But just really learn to live in the now and not wait for the next thing. Um, also, probably the best thing was Chick-fil-A. I found a Chick-fil-A. I got to use their bathroom, and they had the AC. Greatest, like, that was the greatest moment of the whole race. Um, and then also, Kelsey and Eric, they took, they took turns running with me. And so at the end of the race, they would run with me to keep me distracted. But there was a point where I was kind of honorary. I was like, guys, like, I can't talk. Like, I can't think. But just, like, their company was huge. And that was... The biggest takeaway for me from the whole race was like letting other people help me. I so often want to do everything on my own. I want to go knock all the doors. I want to close the deals. I want to do the welcome call. I want to, and it's like, once I let other people into my life to help me, like this race could have turned out so much worse if I, if I didn't accept the help from the other crew members, from my crew members and I feel like that was like my biggest life lesson is like let people in like Blake and Matt came here last week and helped my crew out and then like just to let them in and let them like help out my crew was I mean we haven't really used the resources that that we've had at our fingertips just because probably a lot because of my stubbornness and I feel like I can do everything on my own um, and then another thing how long do I have Blake is this like gonna end does it end at 9 30 Anybody know? Uh, well. So the last thing I'll go over is just the, the competitiveness. Competitiveness 
Five more minutes. All right. So I had this guy, this tall guy. I called him Slender Man. So he was trying to pass. We were going back and forth the whole time. And there was a time when I was in the back of the truck getting my feet taped. And I knew I was in third place. So when I found that I was in third place, I just wanted to keep that place. Like, I wasn't going to get that up. So he goes running by me. So I jump out the car. I have my crew wrap my feet with, like, bandages. So they were, like, seriously this big. And so my buddy threw me his size 13 sneakers, and I put those on and finished the last, it's probably the last 15 miles. <laughs> These weren't even my running shoes, and so my feet were just destroyed. But the competitive nature, like, if you have that, use it because that's what got me from like mile 85 to 100. Um, but basically, if running 100 miles were to relate to life, you know pain is going to come, and you don't know how, you don't have control of what or how or when, but you know it's coming. What is your mindset when it hits? To get through 100 miles, it isn't one mile to 100. There are five, 10 checkpoints where you get the opportunity to reflect and make changes. Sometimes you choose the wrong fuel, the wrong hat, the wrong sunblock. Sometimes in life you choose the wrong partner, the wrong job, the wrong friends. But you always have checkpoints where you can check in. And there's always more on the horizon where you can change and be the person you want to be. So that's kind of my takeaway summed up into like this little 20, 20 minute. But great experience. Um, and I appreciate you guys for listening and let me let me come on and, and share a little bit about that.